So Mo Vida, you are my most famous uh, famous guest that I've had so far. Just today, I heard you on Comedy 103.1. You know, I have yet to hear myself, but I'm I'm actually okay with that because I hate my voice. Well, in that vein, I always ask people because it's probably my biggest fascination in comedy right now. I always, I've said this a couple times to so people that have actually heard this or annoyed with it, but you ever say a word so many times that it starts to lose meaning? Probably. Yeah, I, I get that phenomenon with jokes where I'll be writing and I'll be writing and I'll be writing. And then next thing you know, I start to lose sense of even what the fuck is even this? I say this combination of words and I expect people to laugh. It's like, what is it? So I started asking everybody, what is your definition of a joke? What is a joke? What is it? Like, what is it at its nuts and bolts layer? Uh, let me see if I can articulate this. I mean, there's the cons- the construct of a joke, but to me, to me, a lot of times, what a joke is is the ability to bring an audience along on, you know, a thought, and then kind of either flip the thought or point out the ridiculousness of it. So, you know, some people who are more observational, right? That's that's anchored in reality, right? And they're observing something, but they're able to articulate and make funny you know, a part of that reality that maybe we all think about or, or haven't noticed or whatever. Um, and then there's kind of the absurd stuff, right, where you, you turn it around and you, there's a twist. But I think in general, I always call us sociologists, like we're the funny sociologists because we, we tend to look at society, we tend to look at things that happen, the relationships that we have as human beings. Um, and just kind of offer our own take on it, but make it funny. But that's the hard part, is finding the funny. Like when you watch newer comics, you can tell that, you know, they, they, they were in the office and something was funny, but they don't really know how to make it into a joke. And I think sometimes that's the trick, is, is the joke is finding that twist or absurdity or the punch, right? Yeah. Hence punch line, but yeah. I've always uh, <clears throat> had. I'm I'm too analytical, so I write down like my actual like types of jokes. So like one of the ones I had wrote down that would kind of coincide with that is like the observational. I always like like it's I call them like state the truth jokes. Like you've got some thing no one else has seen. It's right in front of everyone's face, right. and you're just kind of outstating it, and it's funny. And then I'll have things like the, I call it the twist, where you say you're leading up to the thing you think we're going to say, and then you say the opposite. And then one that I've been trying to get away from is one I call, it's essentially puns, but I, I put a bigger blanket around puns and just call it homophone comedy. Anytime a word, and this is a trap all newbies fall into, me especially, is that anytime a word means the same thing as another word, instant joke. You know, like I have a, I have a couple jokes that are grandfathered in that I'd never write today, and one of them is like, uh, if you don't eat a woman's pussy, you're an asshole, and if you don't eat a woman's asshole, you're a pussy. Yeah. 
So it's essentially just like, oh, pussy means two things and asshole means two things and we switched them around and haha, guffaw. So I've grandfathered yeah. that in. It's already it's already written and you know, I had a, a bartender. I, I've heard a lot worse. Right. But that's pretty solid. Every, every uh, new comic, that's like what they rely on. And I know I felt like a good writer. I was like, look how clever I am. And then uh, Bear, um, uh, Chuck Roy, Bear, we were at the goods one time, and Owen Matthews did a joke. And he's like, that's goddamn genius. And he kind of heckles, you know, he goes, and yet, no laughter. <laughs> and that little heckle was very big for me because I realized, like, no, he was right. That actually was very, very clever and very, very genius, but not funny. So, you know, are you going to stick to, like, that you're a clever little boots or are you going to be funny? So it's funny how those... You can, you can find it, but, I mean, it's funny that you talk about that because I did New Talent Night and there was a comic... Um, and he did a joke. Basically, you are what you eat. Ah, uh, so I'm a big pussy. Yeah. Yep, it was the same type of joke. And, and But that was one of the notes, right? It was like, that's a pretty pedestrian joke. Yeah, you know, people that... Kind of does it. Anybody that's out of state that might come across this, we're so blessed in Denver. The Comedy Works lets us call into a hotline in their new talent system, and they'll give us th three we minutes. We have to do it online now. Yes. Yes. So it's definitely a, uh, an amazing resource that we get to go up and perform. And then not only that, you get to go in the green room and some... <clears throat> combination of veteran comedians will give you notes. The last time I did it, Brent Tobler was there. It was awesome to have. Before that was Nathan Lund, and he was freaking honest with me. He just straight up was like, bro, that joke, it's terrible. You know, he didn't outright say it. I could just see it in his eyes. Like, come on. And that was huge. I was like, thank you. It was a joke about babies being like STDs, super hack. And I wasn't I was busy. I ha I just had the baby, so I was busy. I wasn't focused in. Nathan was giving you love. He was saying you're better than that's that. It. That's why I miss Deacon. Deacon Gray, yeah. he was a yeah. evil bastard sometimes. He would just, especially for me, I'm I'm an easier person to beat up, you know. White male, cis, beardo, bald, Denver, fucking half a wook, you know. <laughs> it, it's easy for people to be like, look, you suck. You're not as good as you think you are. And God, do I appreciate that. I really, the honesty. Feedback. We don't get enough honest feedback in Denver. Uh, Denver, yeah. Denver is a very uh, good town as far as audiences' willingness to laugh. And I was actually saying to somebody, you know, having started in New York, it's unheard of that, you know, six months in or a year in even, that you would be on, like, a bigger, proper, good stage and in front of a real audience you know we don't really get our chance or our shot at doing shows we have to do these things called bringers right where it's like okay well we'll let you get up on this stage at this club but you have to bring like 10 people you know or whatever so you you really uh have like denver is a little bit spoiled that way um but that's also why i think it's so important that there's notes right because it's like yes 
you know, the audience gave you the laughter or whatever, but let's really talk about it from a craft perspective. Comedy is a lot more failure than it is success. (laughs) It's an unfathomable amount, and I almost feel like the pain... Yeah, the pain is literally jet fuel. It's like you can't even get this rocket ship off without the pain. It's just funny for me to see kind of how things work here. Um, you know, I think the audiences and the venues are wonderful, and it's so nice to see real support for what is an art form, you know? I mean, in a lot of places, it's not looked at that. I mean, trying to run shows in New York, it was kind of basically, you know, we have a back room or we have a slow night, but, it, you know, we don't want to do marketing, so we're going to make you do it, dumb right. comic. And whatever, so it was. It, it was really a struggle. And here, it's nice to see that you know the venues take it seriously. They give you budgets. People get paid. Yeah. Um, I was just know, the fact that we're thing. not out having to bark in the cold. You know, I often think that right. when I'm outside yeah. smoking pot, <laughs> it's like we could be out in this cold, not chit chatting. We could be out here like comedy show. If I get seven All people, right. I gotta go up. I have barked in bad weather, good weather. It's it's hilarious. Well, since I had someone character, (laughs) since I got someone that's actually been exposed, this is a question I've had about bringer shows for a while. And now I know it's obviously both, you know, and it's all contextual about the show. But uh, for the most part, is it when you have a bringer show? Is there is the bodies good enough to like if you bring ten humans, or do you have to bring ten paying humans? No, they have to pay. Oh, that's yeah, and, and I mean, it's tough. Like, where I started, um, the person that I started with I thought was really fair, you know, and he basically was like, look, um, you know, if you bring, I think it was like, if you bring four people, which is basically two couples, right? He's like, if you bring four people, you get X amount of minutes. Um, and if you bring more than that, then there was like this sliding scale for actually giving you money oh, wow. from the money that they were bringing in because it is, it's a entrance fee and a two drink minimum. So, um, and I don't know, I mean, look, there are different ways to do that, that model. I think there were people and I, I think I'm very fortunate that I started out with somebody who I felt was very fair. What really stinks is when you're a person short and some of these producers will pull you. And I've seen that happen and it's gross because it's like you have 14 paying customers here to see this person and you're not going to let them go up because they don't have the 15th person. I mean, my family would start a riot, you know? Yeah, (laughs) holy shit. Yeah, so I I get, you know, and of course it's those situations that everybody hears about and then they're like, oh, well that's, you know, terrible and I'll never do a bringer for that reason. I mean, I've done them, you know, I did one at Caroline's and again, it was totally reasonable and the fact that I was performing at Caroline's, a lot of my friends were like, oh my gosh, you know, we know that club, we want to come, that's a legit club. And more people ended up coming out for me anyhow. Um, but, you know, having that picture on that stage and having that tape from that stage, it can help. Oh know? man, I, as someone who grew up in the 90s on comedy, 
the show at Caroline's Comedy. That was one of my favorite. That and Def Jam. I didn't even understand the English language fully yet, but I fucking knew I loved that shit. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it, I mean, I, I wouldn't want to do them now. Um, right. But well, I also think the uh, it's it's also an advantage. We look at it like it's a like it's a hardship, but really it's like motivation, man. Motivation. You get real motivated when you're out there in the cold and you get fucked over, and you're like, never again. I'll make sure, you know, because if you got 14 people and they won't let you go on, odds are you, you might just run outside and be like, fucking comedy show, comedy show, right fucking now, you know. Well, and I think that's what it is, is there's a, there's a hustle that comes along with that. And yeah. sometimes people forget it's a business. I mean, I always laugh and I remind people, I'm like, uh, you know, when Chris Rock is at Madison Square Garden, that's a bringer, right? Like, if he doesn't fill the <laughs> right, seat, right. he doesn't get, you know. That's, a, and, that's and another way to look at, at it. Pro well, comedians have bringer shows almost every night if they're not papering the room. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's kind of this thing. And I get it because once you get better, um, you know, and you're solid and you're funny, what you want to be doing is getting booked on your talent. And But but it, it flips back over again because the fact of the matter is, is as you get better, as you start to build a fan base, you know, when... Like, when they start to bring you into headline, yes, of course, you have to be funny and you have to have the chops to headline. But, you know, nowadays especially, they're looking at what your social media presence is. They're looking at what your fan base is. Mm. They want to know that, you know, if they're having you on and they tag you in something or you retweet it, that that's going to help fill the room. So you never really get away from that. I mean, bringer is like this dirty word in the business, but I I think it's kind of funny because it's forever a bringer, you know? Right. (laughs) It's just how you look at it. Oh, you're 100% right. Well, we're zipping through this, so I'll just get to the final questions I always ask people. Uh, So what's... In Moe's world, Miss Movita, what's going good? What's awesome about comedy? Um, what's awesome? I mean, I, you know, I, uh, I've been doing some better shows. I've been getting booked as a feature, a headline more. I'm, I'm getting, doing different rooms and stuff. So I'm working different muscles. Mm. Um, so that, that's the big one for me is just being able to work those different muscles and being able to headline sets and, and things like that. So I'll take anything. Oh, I, it's funny. People apologize and they're like, oh, you know, it's not a big show. Not a lot of people here, whatever. And I'm like, everything is an experience. Everything works a different muscle. So right. that's been that's been my goal in going on the road. Um, so next I'm just hoping to get a good tape that will get me into some festivals. When I first came here, I I was all worried about, oh, do I even have the material? And you start to realize, like, oh, you have this arsenal of material, but it is very different to, you know, entertain a room for 30 minutes. And also, like, if you're headlining and, and you're billed as a headliner, you have to carry that show. Mm-hmm. And that's something I've learned. Like, I've been really fortunate to go on the road with some really good comics. Like, Mike Stanley is an excellent comic. Yes. He is an excellent comic. 
and I've been really lucky that he's taken me on the road with him um, and and just to watch him like you know I, I just want to like <laughs> soak it all up and be like okay this is this is how you do it you yes, know that guy um, is club tested for sure yeah I mean he's amazing in all aspects right and so to be able to see that right so not just the oh yeah he's funny yeah he is funny but try to figure out when you're watching it when you get to watch it a few times you know oh, okay well you know how is he maybe adjusting to this room or, or what you know how is he doing it is he saying okay this room's not that great let's do a little bit more crowd work mm-hmm. you know, how does he open it how does he does he always use the same closer so just really it's helped me a lot being able to to watch him um in various settings and stuff like that so trying to learn i'm still very much learning (laughs) yes well then i uh, gotta know the the converse what sucks about comedy what's the real kick in the balls um i mean you know it's it's so much of it is attached to ego so i think you can kind of go off on that tangent of like you know why why am I not getting booked on that show or why didn't I get that or how come I don't have anything tonight and does it you know so it's it's a kick in the ball sometimes and you have to kind of swallow your pride with certain things like I had something recently and I won't be too detailed because then it'll be obvious but there was definitely a moment recently where I was just like well shit (laughs) this is humbling um but you know what? It's like for every time that happens, you hope something good happens. And I just have to, and I tell people this and I tell myself this, um, but I don't always follow it, of course. But, you know, it's kind of like you really have to figure out your own goals, um, like big and then the steps to get to it and really focus on that. Because there's always going to be distractions. There's always going to be like, oh, well, why did that person get this? And I didn't get that or whatever. And it's like, okay what is your next step like what is your goal you can't be everything to all people so you know what what do you want next like if i'm saying to myself look you need to start doing festivals right then let me focus on that instead of oh my friends who i started comedy with are now doing sets on late night right Yeah. I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. That's something Patrick Scott had mentioned mentioned as a, you know, I'm only two and a half years into this game, so I'm literally just a pup. So talking to people that have had years in, he, he made a point I wouldn't have thought of. He's like, all your friends who sucked, they eventually quit. And all your friends who were awesome eventually start succeeding and leaving. And then you're kind of left in your own little bubble to keep keep reinventing who you are and who you hang out with and what your priorities are. And that's hard because there's no uh, college teacher. There's no no one standing there with a ruler who's going to slap you on the knuckles for not going and writing a new five minutes. You have to be a self-starter. And as a bunch of depressed fucks, it's hard. (laughs) It really is. And I write... I write from inspiration and I write from life Um, and so for better or for worse I'm not the type of person who sits down and writes jokes every day I just don't Um, you know and then when I'm going through stuff in my life and I don't feel particularly funny and then some days I'm like really inspired and I'm writing a lot Um, so you know it is definitely something where you have to 
motivate yourself and and you have to figure out the right things that will motivate you and try to stay on the positive path instead of you know have being like really upset about what everybody else is getting and what everybody else is doing because the truth of the matter is you're the brand and you're the product so if you're always focused on what everybody else is doing you're not ever going to develop your own brand that makes you unique you know I mean, and that's the cool thing about comedy is nobody else can be Josh Grambo. Nobody else can be Movita, you know, so you have to stay focused on that because that is it. That's the ticket is your brand, your voice. So, well, God damn, else. <laughs> every podcast, I'm worried that we're not going to end on a big philosophical note, but God damn it, Mo, you nailed the landing. <laughs> So, Miss Movita, if anyone listens to this, check her out on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. You guys all know the thing, at Movita, I assume. Oh, actually, I'm at Mocha Vita, M-O-K-A. Oh, yes, Mocha Vita. Yes. Yes. <laughs> well, check her out. This is going to be up on Spotify, YouTube, all the things, so check it out. Miss Mo, thank you so much. And you'll be getting a call again. There's so much more I wish I had to talk about, but I try to keep them around 20 minutes. I look forward to it. Thank you. You're the best. I'll see you out on the Comedy Battlegrounds. Take care. Bye. Bye. Mo Vida, everyone. She is amazing. I got to see her do two half-hour sets and back-to-back nights and watching her make the room breathe, pace her set. She's a real, real comic, guys. New York transplant, killing it here in the Denver scene. So grateful to have talked to her. And we'll definitely be talking to her a lot more in the future. She is obviously a wealth of information on things that us in the smaller markets don't get exposed to every day. So thank you, Miss Mo. I kind of talked over her. Her social media is at Mocha Vita, which is M-O-K-A-V-I-D-A, Mocha Vita. Check her out. She's super funny. She's got a dirty mind and a beautiful heart. Is that cheesy? Go fuck yourself. But seriously, thank you for listening. If you made it to this far, you are an angel. This show is called Comics with Grambo. And I am out. Welcome to bonus stage. Reload. People. I was talking to the same uh, female comic. She was telling me she has an app on her phone for consent. I was like, are we not clear on what consent is? And she was like, well, you know, you have to be awake, you can't be drunk, and you have to explicitly say yes. I'm like, whoops. <laughs> millennials wouldn't be here if your parents had to adhere to those rules. Like, you get that, right? If you don't believe me, go home, ask your mom. Like, one of your siblings definitely a tequila baby from that Cabo vacation. Okay, see? <laughs> There's some moms in the audience like, yeah, yeah, he shouldn't have happened, but, you know, tequila! <laughs>
every 25 years you want your little Chardonnay coma when daddy comes knocking. I feel you, sister. I'm with you. <laughs> Movida.